Welcome back to Podcast 37 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. Follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Icebreakers and follow us on social media slash The Icebreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Betfred Sports. For 250 bucks worth of free bets, please visit Betfred Sports and use the promo code ODDS23. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support The Icebreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theicebreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning campers. Get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit The Icebreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. It is Belmont week, my friends. The final leg of the Triple Crown race. And we have a great show for you today because Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk is coming on to discuss the Big Sandy. And I can't wait to get into that. I know there's not going to be a Triple Crown winner this year, but I'm completely okay with that because I love this race and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. It has a great field. You can also literally make a case for quite a few horses in this race also we are bringing on a new guest never before to the odds breakers in gabriel morency from sports grid gabriel's a great guy talks sports every night on sirius xm as well as sports grid radio sports grid tv espn radio you name it he's been there gabriel's got some great thoughts about ufc 289 Nunez versus Eldana. We also talk a little NBA, but that game passed. This was a live broadcast from YouTube, so feel free to fast forward that if you'd like. It's just a short segment, or you can just get his thoughts maybe on the series itself. Gabe also gives out a play in the CFL that is starting this week, and we also get into a little NFL. So I can't wait to get into that. And before we have these monster guests on, I want to talk a little bit about the odds breakers. We have our NFL packages up already. If you'd like to check us out at the odds breakers and get some of our premium plays that we are making, some of these future bets, I went 6-2 and two in season win totals last year in the NFL. Feel free to check those out under membership options at theoddsbreakers.com. I am also going to go into the NFL AFC North season preview and win totals. We completed the NFC last week. You can go back and check out some of those episodes if you missed it. Talked about some teams that may be a little bit undervalued, some teams that may be a little bit overvalued in the NFC. We found some good plays already. The lines are moving in our favor. So please check those out if you missed it. But without further ado, I'm going to get right into the AFC North here and discuss which teams I think can make some noise coming into the 2023 season. So the AFC North was one of the better divisions in football. And I I honestly think 
that it might be the best division in football for the 2023-2024 season. Last year, this division was able to get two teams in the playoffs and one with a heck of a run to the AFC Championship game, as you saw with the Bengals. They went to the Super Bowl the year before. AFC Championship game with that really tough call in Kansas City, pushing Mahomes on the edge of the out-of-bounds line, getting the personal foul. That killed them. But we'll see if they can come back and do, do it again this year, maybe even make a Super Bowl run. Now, I do think that the ceiling is high on this AFC North division. And I also think the floor is very high as well, being that the Browns have themselves a quarterback. The Steelers always seem to be above 500. And I just expect the AFC North to have two, if not three teams, to make it to the postseason for the 2023 campaign. This division plays the NFC West, which has two very winnable games, as well as the AFC South, which is a gift from the gods with maybe three very winnable games. Now that we are into the AFC, we have to remember that the AFC gets the extra at-large home game versus the NFC. They have nine home games, eight away games, if you're not counting neutral sites such as London. Let's take a closer look at each team. Woo! All right, let's start with divisional odds. The Bengals, plus 140 to win the division. The Ravens, plus 240 to win the division. The Browns, plus 425 to win the division. And the Steelers, plus 450 to win the division. Now, this is from just one sports book. I've seen the Steelers up to 500. Uh, earlier, there was better numbers, and we'll discuss that later. But these are how it kind of pans out. It shows you that there's a lot of strength here within all of these teams. Starting out with the number one team in the division, my highest power-rated team, probably in the NFL still, is the Cincinnati Bengals. Their Vegas win total is 11.5, juice to the under, minus 130. 2022 wins, 12.5. Pythagorean wins, 10.88. Schedule, medium. At large versus Buffalo versus Minnesota and at Kansas City. Schedule last year was hard. <laughs> they had a first place schedule last year. Key losses, safety, Jesse Bates, safety, Von Bell. Tight end, Hayden Hurst. Running back, Samaje Pirine. Cornerback, Trey Flowers. And cornerback, Eli Apple, is not signed. Key additions, tackle Orlando Brown. Safety, Nick Scott. Tight end, Irv Smith. Key draft picks, edge, Miles Murphy. Cornerback, DJ Turner. Safety, Jordan Battle. Running back, Chase Brown. The Bengals were so close to another Super Bowl appearance, and many thought they had it during that AFC Championship game. This team was relatively healthy during the regular season, but unfortunately, they lost some offensive line and receivers late into the playoffs, which caused all kinds of issues. I also do not like that the Bengals used Joe Mixon to his capabilities 
only giving him 11 touches in that game. They are outcoached and outclassed for most of the game. You know, Joe Burrow was pretty much the guy that was keeping them alive. To be honest, they were outcoached in the game before that versus the Ravens as well. Maybe you can call them lucky to even be in that game, but they are also unlucky to lose home field advantage due to the Buffalo Bills canceled game before the playoffs. If you remember, if the Bengals get that win, they would have gotten home field advantage. The good news is that this team will have a solid and healthy offensive line along with uh, top three quarterback and smoking Joe Burrow coming into the 2023 season. The Orlando Brown pickup was nice. From a defense perspective, I do not like what this team lost at safety. And that could be a weakness when it comes down to facing the strong passing games in the AFC. Cincinnati is really relying on their draft picks to turn out this year. Okay, They need DJ Turner and safety Jordan Battle from Alabama to turn out. Um, Miles Murphy would be nice as well. A little help on the pass rush. Cincinnati, uh, in their secondary, it's going to take a little time with Von Bell and Jesse Bates gone. I think it's going to potentially be a start, a slow start for the Bengals coming into the season, like it was last year. Remember, they lost to a backup quarterback against Dallas last year. The good news is that even though the division is very tough, it isn't a very pass-heavy one, at least not yet. I know Lamar is talking a lot, but we'll see. I think there's some hope there where maybe the defense can kind of keep them in some games early. Their defense was number eight in overall EPA last year. Overall EPA number eight. So it was a solid defense. It was a little higher before the playoffs. If the draft turns out, this team will be another Super Bowl contender. I think the Bengals once again come out slow, like I said. So I'm not going to be on them early. But I certainly don't want to be against them where they're kind of gelling midseason to late. My number is 11.69 wins. Now that it's 11.5 juice to the under, that's not enough for me. Obviously, you know, it's got to be more than 0.19 games for me to make a play. But I will lean to the over, just the slightest of ever leans. But I actually think that there's a good chance that t- this team takes a step back because I just do not like their coach and Zach Taylor. I think he completely blew it in the playoffs. He's just winning based on Joe Burrow's skill. Any bad luck happens to one of those star receivers in Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, or Joe Burrow. Could be lights out for this team. My power rating for the Cincinnati Bengals is 6.5, which is my highest so far in the early power ratings coming into the season. Number two, the Baltimore Ravens. Vegas win total, 10.5 juice to the under, minus 130. I've seen this all over the place. I've seen 9.5 juice to the over, minus 150. I've seen some 10s with some slight juice. Their 2022 wins was 10. 
Their Pythagorean wins was 9.32. They overachieved slightly. Schedules medium at large versus Detroit at the LA Chargers and versus Miami. Schedule last year was medium easy. Key losses. Offensive coordinator Greg Roman. Guard Ben Powers. Tight end Josh Oliver. What else we got? Uh, Defensive end Calais Campbell, who came in maybe on third downs. Key additions. Offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. Wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. Quarterback Rock Yassin. And receiver Nelson Aguilar. Key draft picks. Wide receiver Zay Flowers. Linebacker Trenton Simpson. And a few dudes. They didn't really have a lot of picks. A simple 14-point swing is really what did this makeshift Ravens team in during the playoffs. And it's makeshift based on just the quarterback, I guess. So they did have a bunch of guys back. But the Lamar Jackson injury certainly hurt being that I don't think that that he fumbles at the goal line making a 14-point swing. Just imagine that. You're up seven. You're about to score again. You fumble, and they score. When you're on the one-yard line, that is as much of a 14-point swing as it gets. Now you can say what you want about Lamar. I have my own thoughts. I think there was an injury there, but I think he kind of used that injury as a you know, reason to be upset with the team. And I've said that from day one, and it kind of became a little bit more true in the media when they finally shut up. You know, they were defending him and saying, well, how could you ever think that? Well, I stood my ground and kind of proved to be true, in my opinion. It's definitely not talked about and very hush-hush right now. But either way, let's focus on what's going on for this year. Lamar had his good seasons under Greg Roman, but over time it kind of depleted. The last two seasons have been bad. He ranked 13th in EPA last year, quarterback EPA, and that was before missing the final six games due to the injuries and the contract disputes. Now, Lamar proved all of the media pundits wrong by getting a contract without an agent. That was fun to watch, too. Everyone's saying he's screaming he should hire an agent. Well, he got it done. <laughs> you know, He got it done. He had his number. He played chess with the Ravens and won. That's what he really did. The Ravens didn't have a bargaining chip. That 14-point swing did not give them a bargaining chip. Maybe if that doesn't happen, things are a little bit different. But they had nobody else. And I did not like the, this draft class as it was for quarterbacks. They probably knew that. I'm going to figure this out. Even though the market didn't want Lamar, as you know, they gave him that option. You know, they, they said they'll, they gave him the match option. Go out and get, a, get an offer and we'll match it. Didn't happen. Now, it didn't happen for a lot of reasons. And I think it was because what I said earlier a little bit. Also, you know, he has been depleting. But Lamar's familiar with this offense. He's most valuable to this Ravens team because he understands the coach, John Harbaugh. 
Now they have a new offense with Todd Munkin. They also signed Odell Beckham. That doesn't really do a lot for me personally. And I think they should have drafted defense from the get-go instead of a wide receiver. But now it's just up to Todd Munkin to get this team going. Todd has won some national championships at Georgia and will have new schemes built in to fit the Lamar-led offense coming into the 2023 NFL season. He's about making space. He mentioned that in his press conferences. He's been doing that for years. Look how much space he gave Stetson Bennett at Georgia. Tons of it. And if this translate well into the NFL, this could be a very, very dangerous team. Even though the Ravens didn't get a lot of help from the draft, you have to remember last year, midseason, they got the best linebacker in the game right now in Roquan Smith from the Bears for just a second-round pick. Now, they had to pay him a lot, 20 mil a year. But I have to be optimistic that they have the coach and a lot of talent potentially to win this AFC North division. Baltimore's schedule looks pretty good, being that this team gets plus nine rest days and plays nobody off bye week, any bye weeks or Thursday games. They don't get none of that. I'm liking the plus 240 here to win the division. I'm looking at the coach, John Harbaugh, next to Zach Taylor. I'm looking at the fact that Lamar's got his money. He wants to now prove that he is that quarterback. He's got the weapons, as long as they stay healthy, of course. But that's for you can say that about any team. He's got a great offensive coordinator that I think kind of works with Lamar. You know, it, it, Lamar in itself is more of a college type offensive guy. You know, he, he was just a college on steroids almost because it worked in the NFL. He he could escape the pockets. He knew when to run. I think mixing it up as long as he has it, it's somewhat accurate. Right, As long as he's average quarterback accurate, this could be a very, very dangerous offense under Todd Munkin. Now, my number is 10.66 for season wins. And I I come up with it a little bit differently earlier until my power rings are done. And then I do a calculation to see what their season wins are just based upon the schedule and the plus and minuses uh, of each game. Right, The, The spreads of each game, you calculate the actual percentage to find out what your number is, but I have a different way of coming out, my own secret sauce of coming up with an early number, and it is 10.66 right now. Wouldn't be shocked if it was if they get higher than that. Being that their season win total is 10.5, just not quite enough for me to get there, but I like the chances of winning the division at plus 240 a little bit more. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make a move against the Bengals this year to win the division, so there's going to be another team I'm going to talk about. I'm taking the Ravens for one star at plus 240 to win the division. The Ravens power rating, I'm going to put 3.25 right now until I see that Todd Munkin offense at work. I think there could be some growing pains in the beginning, being that's going to be a new offense from Greg Roman, but I can expect this power rating to get up to five, maybe even six or seven come midseason. Number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Vegas win total, 8.5, juice to the over, minus 135. 2022 wins, 9. Pythagorean wins, 7.09. Schedule, medium easy, at large at Las Vegas versus Green Bay and versus New England. Schedule last year was hard. 
key losses, cornerback Cameron Sutton, linebacker Robert Spillane, inside linebacker Devin Bush, guard Trenton Scott, safety Terrell Edmonds, and cornerback Will Jackson and linebacker Miles Jack are not signed. Key additions, guard Isaac Suamalu, linebacker Cole Holcomb, cornerback Patrick Peterson, guard Nate Herbig, outside linebacker Landon Roberts, and safety Keon O'Neill. Key draft picks, tackle Broderick Jones from Georgia, cornerback Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State, defensive lineman Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, tight end Darnell Washington from Georgia, edge Nick Herbig from Wisconsin. Well, the Steelers were saying, if you say Wisconsin, you've said it all, just like I like to say on my Saturdays. But there was a lot of picks from Wisconsin. But I think that if you remember talking about it during the NFL draft, I had Keanu Benton as one of the best defensive tackles in the draft right under Jalen Carter. And I thought he might have been a safer pick with Jalen Carter's you know, off-field off issues. Now, we don't have to feel like Notre Dame is here to be proven right about Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> you know, as a Bears fan, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to work. Also, I think a lot of people knew that. You know, it's like, oh, breaking news. You think Mitch Trubisky's not going to be good. <laughs> you know, a lot of people knew that. But what I do like is he really is embracing a second string role. He's like, I am a second string quarterback. I just made a bunch of money. Um, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> He's making more money than Pickett. <laughs> You know, but that's who the Steelers franchise quarterback is now, Kenny Pickett. And if it wasn't for such a slow start list last year, they might have limped into the wild card spot. I must say that even though this team lost some linebackers, they certainly crushed it in free agency as well as the 2023 draft. I love how this team has added some big offensive and defensive trenches here. That's where you win football games. It's not sexy to pick them. Right? It's not, you know, but it gets the job done more than a flashy receiver that can't get the ball because his quarterback's under duress. On offense, they drafted one of the best tackles in Broderick Jones while signing guards like Isaac Suimalo and Nate Herbig. I love what they did on defense drafting Keanu Benton, like I said. They resigned Larry Ogunjobi as well. Love that. An area of concern for this team is that wide receiver being that they got rid of Chase Claypool to the Bears. So the depth certainly took a hit when they failed to draft or sign another wide receiver. So that's a little bit of a weakness for them. Another negative issue for this team is last year, this team was the healthiest team. So one has to expect some injury regression here. But this team has the schedule to make some serious noise coming into the 2023 season. The Pittsburgh's got the plus seven rest days as well as pretty favorable at-large meetings against the Raiders, against Green Bay, and New England, who I'm just not so sure about New England now that Brady's gone, right? Not so sure about that. I think this team, if they just put it together, Mike Tomlin keeps doing what he's doing, can really catch some people off guard. You know, I love the schedule. 
I like the coach. My number in season win totals is 9.55. Now, their season win total is 8.5, juice to the over. I hate taking it to the over because Vegas already has a higher number of than actual games on win totals to the over, and you should always add those up just to see. But I'm not far from taking it, you know. Um, give me a flat 8.5, and I'll take the over, all right? But my action is different. I'm going to take them to make the playoffs at plus 140 for a half star. I think that's a great play. And sprinkle a little bit of that to win the division at plus 500, right? Maybe if you take a half star even at winning the division at plus 500, you have a good shot with the Ravens to attack the Bengals. I sent this out at plus 650 earlier this year. So basically what we're doing is we're taking half the teams and potentially making a a more than plus 100 type profit on it, right? You know, if every team was equal and you take half the teams to win the division, the blended odds should be plus 100. Well, taking plus 240 for one star with the Ravens and plus 650 for a 0.5 star with the Steelers, either of those would be much more than that. Now, obviously, you're playing against the Bengals, really. Not so much Cleveland, even though Cleveland is supposed to be a pretty good team. But I like just splitting it in half here and taking my chances being that I'm getting the two better coaches. I'm getting John Harbaugh. And I'm getting Mike Tomlin. So that's how we're playing this. And it worked last year when I took the Chiefs and at plus 175 and the Chargers at plus 275 to win that division. Chiefs ended up winning, still won money. Number four, actually before number four, Steelers power rating, just starting it out at 1.5 points better than the average team, which is, I think, pretty Pretty fair, being that this team got better and better last year, but weren't quite elite. Number four, the Cleveland Browns. Vegas win total 9.5, juice to the under minus 150. So you can probably find some nines. You can probably find some eight and five, 8.5s, juice to the over. 2022 wins was seven. Pythagorean wins was 7.99. So the schedule this year is medium. At large at Denver, that didn't work out well for a last place team because Denver's supposed to be better. Versus Chicago, that's better. And versus the New York Jets, ooh, that's not better. <laughs> I think the two teams that were fourth place last year that have a heck of a lot more upside are the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. So whoever gets them with their fourth place at large, which is this team, really took it. <laughs> you know, that is not good. Their schedule last year was medium hard. Key losses, defensive coordinator Joe Woods, quarterback Jacoby Brissett, safe or center, and there's a lot of, lots of hard-to-pronounce names here, so bear with me. Jelty Fro, Frohold, defensive tackle Taven Bryan, defensive end Chris Vinovich, cornerback Greedy Williams, and then 
inside linebacker Gian Jones, safety John Johnson, running back Kareem Hunt, and Jadavian Clowney defensive end are not signed. Gian Jones, John Johnson, Kareem Hunt, and Jadavian Clowney are unsigned right now. Let's see if they sign someone. I don't think they will. Maybe Kareem Hunt, but geez, I don't know. Key additions. Defense coordinator Jim Schwartz. He's the Schwartz. Defensive end Zadarius Smith. Defensive tackle Delvin Tomlinson. Safety Juan Thornhill. Defensive end Ogbania Okoronkwo. Wide receiver Marquise Goodwin. Safety Rodney McLeod. Cornerback Michael Ford. Quarterback Deshaun Watson. He'll, I had to mention him because he's now going to have a full season. He only played a third of last season, if you remember, due to the suspension. So they got a lot of guys back. Not the biggest names minus getting Deshaun Watson more to play. But, you know, they tried to fill some holes. And key draft picks were wide receiver Cedric Tillman and tackled Daywan Jones and a bunch of hope. Doesn't this Browns team kind of feel like the Tampa Bay Bucks from last year, except with a younger quarterback? Don't get me wrong. This, te- this team's got a lot of talent, but they kind of feel like the talent's getting a little bit older in the trenches. Let's start with the good here. Cleveland finally has a competent quarterback in Deshaun Watson who has primed to play a full season. This team also has plenty of talent that they've compiled over the last few years to attempt to make a Super Bowl run. I do like the hiring of proven defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. He'll bring some attitude to this defense. This might be the spark that this defense needs to pull it all together. I also have to love the fact that the Browns, like the Ravens, do not play anyone off bye weeks or Thursday night games, which nets them plus 10 days of rest. Now for the bad. For starters, Kevin Stefanski is still the coach of the Browns. I truly believe He is overrated and and does not know how to coach in the clutch. Next is this team's rushing defense. The Browns took a step back, only ranking 25th in opponent rushing yards per game. They did pick up Delvin Tomlinson from the Vikings, but I don't believe he's enough when this team has big holes at linebackers. And also, it's not like Delvin Tomlinson played in a good rushing defense last year. He's the guy that's supposed to clog it up. The Browns ranked dead last in rush EPA. I don't like that at all. Especially going against guys like Lamar Jackson. Right? Uh, J.K. Dobbins. You know? Obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Pickett runs a little bit, but they still have Najee Harris there. That's not good. I don't think they fixed that. I also think that Deshaun Watson, even though he's extremely talented, he could struggle some of their first games. And this is how you should play this. Okay, Here's the first five games. The Bengals at the Steelers. Home versus the Titans, which is the good one. Then versus the Ravens. And then against the 49ers. Okay? That is not a good start to the season. Now, at least four of those games are at home. But, geez. Look at the top. The Niners. 
the Ravens, the Bengals, at the Steelers. Those could be four losses, <laughs> you know. That is dangerous. I'm get, I, They're going to win the Tennessee game, right? I mean, that's this team could start out one and five and lose those home games. I'm guessing they're going to win one of them. Maybe it's against Baltimore. Maybe it's the first game against Cincy because I think they do match up well against Cincy, being that Cincy is, is a throwing team, less than a running team. They, they don't use their running backs well, especially they lost some Ajay Pirine. But if you're going to take an under, you do it early. And if you're going to take an over, you do it late. I'm going to wait till their bye week of week five and see where the season win total is. Actually, no, I, I might wait till week six after they play San Francisco. You know, because uh, that's going to tell you a lot. We'll see what happens with Sean Watson against that massive defensive front of San Francisco. But if this team's one and four, then you should pound the over. Because you're going to get a season win total of around seven, seven and a half by then, right? Starting out one and four, maybe seven and a half. Maybe you get six and a half, probably seven. But then you got the Colts at Seattle. You're going to win one of those. Versus Arizona, that's a win. At Baltimore, loss. Home against Pittsburgh should be a win. At Denver, loss. At LA Rams, win. Versus Jacksonville, eh, probably a loss. Versus Chicago, win. At Houston, win. Versus New York, push. At Cincinnati, maybe a loss, but you're still going to get a bunch of wins after that to get up to probably about eight, eight or nine wins. So my number is 8.5 with the Browns. So I, I guess I lean under their season win total, being that I see 9.5. But you can actually literally take a 9.5 or a 9 and then wait until game five and then take the over and try for a middle. So I think that's the correct way to play it. I didn't play it yet. But I'm starting the Cleveland Browns power rating at minus one right now. One point below the average team. And uh, that might improve later, but I just don't like their coach. And I think they have a big hole on their rushing defense. All right, my friends, to recap, we are taking some futures. We are taking the Ravens, plus 240 to win their division. The Steelers, plus 140 to make the playoffs. And the Steelers at plus 500 now. It was 650 uh, for a half-star to win their division. Show me the money! Now it's time to get into the Belmont Stakes with our guest, Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk. Now I'm very excited to welcome back one of the best horse cappers and chicken wing connoisseurs in America, in Mr. Marco D'Angelo from wagertalk.com. You can follow my Twitter at Marco in Vegas. Marco, last time I had you on for the Derby, one of your horses happened to finish first right in the middle of our show. Is, 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 is Do you by chance have another thing like that going on? I actually do have a horse racing later today, uh, so it won't be live during the broadcast, but uh, if uh, this one gets home today, it's in a tough field, I'll, I'll be doing cartwheels, and you know how hard it is for this body frame to do cartwheels. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy, my man, but you do, you stay you stay upright for us here. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, it, was, it was good, and uh, of course he won, so I had to give you a, a little flack for not giving us the pick, but you know... Uh, <laughs> It's just going to, one of these days you will, I think. So we'll see how that goes. But man, we have it, a- It's 
It's amazing, Kev. I, I get all these texts from everybody. Hey, when's your horse racing? When's your horse racing? And you know what, though? I get no text on the first of the month when the training bill comes. I don't hear from anybody. <laughs> no, no way. No way. First of the month. That's when, that's when uh, yep, everything goes dark. But hey, man, we have a fun race coming up this weekend because it's the third uh, leg of the Triple Crown in the Belmont Stakes. I believe it's the 155th running of the Belmont Stakes and the 50th anniversary from Secretariat, Marco. How about that? That means I'm old because I remember watching that race, uh, you know, sitting with my dad in the living room in, uh, wow, 50 yeah. years. It's, uh, we're getting old, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I wasn't, oh. wasn't quite alive yet, but I wasn't far yeah. from being alive back then. Yeah. So it was, uh, I'm feeling it myself, man, especially with my kids. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a great race. It's my favorite race, Big Sandy. And, uh, I, I just like the uniqueness of it because it's so long and it's like the uh, this is the real test of champions to me. I mean, I know everyone loves the Derby and there's plenty of reasons to, but I've always been a fan of the Belmont and uh, no better person to have on but yourself, Marco. So thanks a ton for coming on to discuss this. But before we get into this, I got to ask you a little NFL, man. I, I just did an I just did an AFC North preview. And uh, I, I landed on a couple teams, but I, I, before I tell you what I did, I want to ask you who wins the division or if you have any thoughts about the North. Well, I think it's still Cincinnati's division to win. Uh, they're the most uh, complete team. Need you know a little bit to uh, tighten up that defense and keep uh, Joe Burrow upright with that offensive line, but they've got the most talent. Uh, the teams that can make the big jump, um, Cleveland, I know we say this every single year, but there's no excuses this year. They have their quarterback. They have them from the start of the season. So, you know, even though we got in there at the end of the season last year, Deshaun Watson, it let's be honest, it was a shit show, okay? I mean, he got to play a little <laughs> bit in preseason. Then he wasn't even allowed to be at the facility for how many weeks. They come in late in the season and try to do something. So I expect Cleveland – um, this is the season they have to make an improvement or, you know, things are going to get, you know, pretty dicey there. The Baltimore Ravens, you know, they signed their guy, but how can you really call Lamar Jackson your guy when, you know, he wasn't on the sidelines for the playoffs? I got a big problem with that. Kiev, I, I, I'm not questioning whether he could have played or not played. That's not the issue. The issue is, why weren't you on the sidelines to mentor your backup? That was my issue last year with the playoffs. And, you know, if I'm a member of that team and I was in that locker room last year, that's a little bit hard for me to forget. So we got to see how they get past that. And then there's my Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a lot of talent on this team, but the big question mark is the quarterback. And I know Kenny Pickett. Showed a lot of signs at the end of the season last year with some of those comeback wins. My problem is I cannot understand what the message is you're sending when you re-sign both Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. What does that tell your starting quarterback that you signed both of those guys, uh, you know, in the offseason behind you? I, I know it's mixed messages. Are they not a hundred percent sold on? Uh, Kenny Pickett, that they, they kept both guys in camp, that's my problem. They're going to go as far as Kenny Pickett takes them this year. Uh, the weapons are there. They improved the defense with some additions. 
and they uh, got a little bit of depth on the offensive line for a change. But mm -hmm. I still think the Steelers are looking at the you know third or fourth in the division, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I'm looking at it in a, a different way. And, and you know, it's funny. It took me a while to come around on Lamar and what he did. Um, I have an inkling that, you know, the injury was prolonged in a way, and it was just a strange situation. And I guess rookie players don't understand it, but if other players that might have had contract disputes, maybe they do understand it more. I don't know. But I think the only thing that can fix that is him showing up early and just showing a, a pure 100% commitment, like OTAs being completely engaged in this team and maybe they forget about it. But the biggest thing is the Todd Munkin thing, which is the big wild card for him being the offensive coordinator from Georgia uh, all the way on Baltimore here. He's he had some great interviews. He's saying he's, he's going to try to find space. That's how he runs his offense and it's been working in Georgia. I don't know if it translates to the NFL, but if there's a type of quarterback that is something that you can transition from college to the NFL, it probably is Lamar. So I did buy in a little bit more on the Ravens. I came in doing my before my preview kind of wanting to be down on them, but then I wasn't. But then I asked myself, Marco, who are the top two coaches in the AFC North? And I think you can answer that. Yeah, it, definitely. It's Harbaugh and Tomlin. Uh, no question about that. It is. And it's not even close. It's not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. And you saw Cincinnati. They should have lost that game to Harbaugh. They, I mean, that that 14 point swing was ridiculous. They were outcoached that game and they were outcoached against Kansas City, only giving Joe Mixon 11 touches for the whole game. I mean, massively outcoached. I am not a Zach Taylor fan and I think he's a liability. They did lose some secondary on this team. And uh, I, I think there's a way I could attack this division now, similar to what I did with the Chiefs and the Chargers last year. I was against Denver and the Raiders. I had plus 175 on the Chiefs, plus 275 on the Chargers. I just kind of bundled those bets together. And I ended up, of course, hitting the Chiefs. It would have been nicer if the Chargers hit. But I'm going to do the same thing with the Ravens and the Steelers. Now, Steelers, I did get plus 650. It's down to plus 500 now to win the division. I did that for less. But the Baltimore right now at plus 240 to win the division is, uh, I thought, a decent deal for all that they went through and the fact that they do have the coach to beat Cincinnati maybe Cincinnati has one of those years so it, I, I never feel bad when I bet on the two coaches the two best coaches Marco so it, you know I'm kind of taking half the division and putting my bets on them I'm hoping for something good happening by the end of the season maybe the Bengals only get the wild card I can't disagree with you if they, you know, if everybody kisses and makes up in Baltimore, uh, Baltimore is the team to beat, you know, in that division. We saw what, you know, they almost did last year and the year before it was the same thing. They had injuries with Lamar, but you've got the two factors. One, do they kiss and make up? And two, does Lamar stay healthy for a full season? Those are two really big question marks and then i gotta ask you how did you read the re-signing of trubisky and adding a year you know adding an ear a year to the contract he knows the offense where else are you gonna go he's not he doesn't have anything past a read i mean it, maybe he starts using his legs again because that's the only year is good with the bears is when he ran for 500 i don't know but i think he's just wants to be a backup i think that's i think he's fine with it he made his money he's having kids now i think i think he's kind of complacent now being a backup and you know what it, it, hope for kenny pickett to stay healthy but i can think of worse backups than mitch trubisky who's tall got a strong arm and maybe it takes him a few years to mature you know 
Uh, God knows that it took me a long time to mature myself when I look back at some of my old days, my man. But, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's a great question. But at the same th- time, you look at any backup in this division. You know, look at what Cincinnati's got. Look at Huntley for the Ravens, you know. I mean, there's no one behind Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, I just, I don't think any of these guys have great backups. And um, it, it, you're, the whole injury dice is a... Uh, is definitely something that needs to roll, but that's why I'm happier to taking plus money on some some of these situations rather than laying juice. So um, you know, we'll see. I'm hoping Kenny Pickett, but I really like the draft. I love the Steelers draft. Got a couple of Wisconsin guys. They got the Georgia offensive lineman, who is one of my top three offensive linemen pre pre uh, NFL season here, pre draft really. So I think I think the Steelers made all the right moves fixing some of the trenches, and you can't forget they have Najee Harris running the ball. You know, he, he's a, he's a beast, and uh, I feel pretty good about this division. I actually think this division in a whole, Marco, has a high floor and a high ceiling. You know, you can see one of these teams getting to the Super Bowl. You can see one of the the lowest team getting eight wins. You know, so I, I just think it's gonna a really good division in general. I will say top to bottom. It is. It will be more competitive, and the Steelers are definitely a value with what the – there shouldn't be that big of a separation to what I see with the four teams. All right, great stuff. Well, let's move on to what we're here to talk about, the Belmont Stakes. And, man, it's going to be, a, I think, a decent weekend in New York. Have you checked the weather yet? Yeah, here's the thing. Weather, weather-wise is good. Okay, it's supposed to be 76 beautiful temperature, uh, partly, you know, sunny. That's great. The issues, and hopefully by Saturday, it clears out. But we saw what happened in New York yesterday, having to cancel games, other racetracks, canceled racing. You've got the smoke coming down from the Canadian wildfires. And it was an absolute mess yesterday uh, on the, you know, eastern seaboard there. Uh, They canceled the Yankee game. They canceled Philadelphia game. Uh, it's a concern with the smoke, but by Saturday, everything should be fine. You know, mile and a half's a long way to go. You don't want to be, you're, you're gasping for air at a mile and a half as it is. You don't want to have to be dealing uh, with smoky air on top of that. But I think everything's going to be good. The problem is, you know, you get your works and your jog, you know, you go out and jog in the morning. They've had to do that in the last couple of days with, you know, not the best of conditions. So, they're all going to be on the same playing field. So shouldn't be an issue as far as an advantage for one or the other, but it is something that definitely was a concern yesterday of what we were going to be looking at for Saturday. All right. Well, thank goodness. Get that smoke out of there. That really changes things that that stuff hangs around. So thanks for reminding us about that. I see that Forte and Tappet Trice are kind of like, once again, the two favorites coming into this, just like they're kind of coming into the Derby here. Are they the, the deserving favorites for the longer race? Uh, I'm going to ask you, I suppose I'm going to ask you that first and then I have a follow-up. Okay. Yes. They deserve to be the favorites. Now, obviously the question mark on Forte, the horse has done nothing wrong. He's coming in here with a a winning streak. The problem is we haven't seen him since the Florida Derby. That's a concern. Um, he had to be scratched on Derby day. Now remember he wasn't scratched by Todd Pletcher. He was scratched by the state vet. Pletcher felt he could erase that day, all right? It was, it was the track veterinarians that looked the horse over and made the decision. By scratching him for the derby they're, uh, with a state vet scratch, you're automatically not allowed to race for 14 days, 
Okay. So that cost him racing into Preakness as well. Now the horse has been training right along, but I can tell you from owning horses and listening to my trainer and several trainers that I've had over the years, you can't get the horse the same kind of race speed tightness in training that you do in actual races. It's the same way you hear the saying in sports, you know, it's the game speed, you know, you can't, you know, replicate game speed in a practice. So now we're asking a horse to do something that none of these horses have done before, go a mile and a half, something they may never do again, because it's, a, it's one of the uh, uniqueness of the Belmont being that distance. They don't generally race that. Can he get that distance with his training schedule being off and not actually having a race since the Florida Derby, which if you remember the Florida Derby, you know, you're talking back uh, going all the way back to March. All right. No, that makes sense. And that was, and I was going to ask you about his foot. That was my follow-up question. It looks like it wasn't too bad. And I heard that he had some pretty good uh, practice runs. Workouts. Yes, yeah, they workouts, were, they yeah. were good. Now, the only thing that, and, and again, and this is now uh, the era that we live in with social media, when he was pulling up after his final workout uh, the other day, the horse actually stumbled a step and all the clockers got it on video. Okay. So that video made it around uh, social media that, oh, no, something's, you know, he's still not right because he stumbled. Let me tell you, horses take awkward steps all the time because you just went a mile, you're pulling them up, you know, you're trying to, to get them to slow down because you might be taking a left hand or right hand turn to go back to the barn. And sometimes they just take an awkward step. Relax, everybody. Okay. <laughs> the horse is okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that's what we're hoping for, but it is funny how social media does freak out in those situations, but I have a confession to make Marco. I have a confession to make. I cheated. I cheated on buyers. I went and paid for the Brisnet speed rankings, my man. Um, so, so sorry about that. I, I I I had to make a quick switch in my my game, but uh, okay. you know they're not too different than what Byers is anyway. But I I wanted to take a look at it from a different angle. It's uh, basically kind of the same thing, and it shows all the the pace all the pace per post and everything. It shows all the. Uh, previous races and past performances like we always look at so it's not too much different of a look here but you know you look at uh, some of these horses and there's not many long shots you got this miracolo at 30 to 1 i think that might be your longest shot um red route one is 15 to 1 and uh the first horse tap at shoes looks like it's coming in at 20 to 1 is there anything we should know about these horses are they all tosses or is there something worth using here well, the uh, Miracolo horse, I think that translates, it's going to take a miracle. Uh, that horse has no, no shot at all. I, honestly, I don't know why the horse is in the race. Uh, he's an absolute pitch. The only thing I could say is if you do look at his last race line, they put the horse on the front end and they rolled him. If he goes those kind of fractions on Saturday, he's still not going to be anywhere uh, on the ticket. But he could cause problems for the horse that wants a slow pace, uh, and that's National Treasure. Um, when we get to National Treasure and a couple of the Brad Cox horses, uh, I'll tell you a little bit of conspiracy theory okay. thoughts uh, that could be in there. But if this horse does go to the lead, it's going to ensure that we don't get 
slow fractions like we saw in the Preakness. Oh, that makes sense. Um, well, that's that little tell them what you're thinking a little bit later. So Miracolo, but what about the other two? Will the, are those tap worth it, your ticket? The Tappet horse, uh, Tappet shoes, not a you know not a total pitch horse, but he's up against it in this this field. I don't think he's fast enough to go with this quality of of horses. This is the toughest field that he has faced. I can tell you he is bred to go this distance. Um, so is he a total pitch? No, but I don't see him better than maybe on the bottom end of a superfecta uh, okay. in the race. Um, the other uh, long shot in the race, uh, which is one. Red Route 1 at 15 to 1, um, that is a horse that if you actually look at his Kentucky Derby race, the horse had a little bit of problems. Um, him and the jockey weren't on, they weren't seeing eye to eye of what they wanted to do. Um, Joel Rosario wanted to pull the horse back, race him from off the pace, and the horse was fighting him the whole time. You could actually, if you watch closely at the replay, you could see the horse throwing his head mm -hmm. as Joel Rosario was trying to hold the reins. That is never a good thing because what you're doing is, you know, we always talk about having gas left in the tank you're using your gas up twice as fast because the jockey's trying to do one thing, the horse is trying to do another, the two are fighting one another, and you use more energy up. So finally, Rosario gave in to the horse and gave him his head and let him go, and he got, I thought, too close to the early pace and uh, made his move uh, you know, wide, and it just was a bad situation for Red Route 1. Um, but he still finished fourth, uh, you know, in that Preakness uh, in that race. So, you know, give him credit for that. Again, like I said, with the one horse, um, Tappet Shoes, best scenario for him is running fourth on the Superfecta, in my opinion. Okay, well, let's get into who's going to set the pace in this race. Who's going to take the lead? And feel free to go into your delicious conspiracy theory. <laughs> well, it's National Treasure is the horse that's going to want the lead. The four wants the lead like he did in the Preakness. And the reason he won the Preakness is nobody went with him. In that day, we had a scratch, just like we had in the Kentucky Derby, had a couple scratches. But the scratch we had in the Preakness was the only other speed horse in the race. When that happened, it totally changed the complexion of the race. What that meant was Mr. Bob Baffert, and we know all the problems that Bob's had, this horse didn't race in the Kentucky Derby because of the problems Bob Baffert had. Right. He had enough points to go to the Derby, but Bob wasn't allowed to go to the Derby. And this is one of the horses that he didn't change. Uh, the owners didn't pull and give to another trainer or Bob, you know, just kind of paper trainer shifted over to another trainer. Uh, but he was eligible to go to Pimlico and, you know, Bob showed up on, Preakness Day and made a big splash, not once, but twice, once in a good way and once in a bad way. If you remember, unfortunately, that day, um, he had a he heavy favorite in one of the early races, in earlier races, I should say, and the horse, uh, you know, took a bad step, went down, um, unfortunately had to be put down, at, you know, on the track that day. Uh, so he went from as low of lows as you could have uh, early in the card to later in the card, you know, winning the Preakness, you know. Uh, so it was a strange day for Bob, and obviously everybody that likes or hates Bob got both sides of it to, you know, to bang Twitter on Preakness Day. And uh, he stole the Preakness. 
And what I mean by stealing it is because he walked them to the half. I mean, whenever you go to a half and if the slow of fractions is they did, it's going to take a super horse to go by him. And he was life and death to hold off blazing sevens, even getting his own way on the front end. Now blazing right. sevens is not in this race, but there are three horses in this race that weren't in the Preakness. And if any one of those three were in the Preakness, they would have been the favorite in the Preakness. And those three horses, uh, obviously, you've talked about two of them already, Forte and Tappet Trice. The other one is the third-place finisher in the Kentucky Derby in Angel of Empire. So uh, he's not going to get his way here. Uh, does the five be one of the horses that go to the front? That's a possibility to give him some um, early speed to contend with. Or – Brad Cox has three horses in here. Does he send one of them as the rabbit? Okay. But if you look at the three horses that um, Brad Cox has in here, um, I don't know that he really wants to send one of them as a sacrificial lamb because I can make a case for all three horses that Brad Cox has in this field. So I don't know that he wants to give one of them up to, you know, for the benefit of one of the others. And, uh, you know, we will talk about them. And one of them is a live long shot that um, is my, uh, you know, I always like to give you a live long shot to use on your ticket. So let me just go there. And yes, that's Hit Show. Please, please. Uh, okay, Hit Show. Here we go. And I'm excited to hear about it. Uh, the reason being with uh, the seven horse hit show, if you look at just the the line there that he finished, uh, you know, fifth in the Kentucky Derby, you say, okay, fifth, uh, you know, he lost, you know, four lengths from the top of the stretch home, you know, no big deal, blah, 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 and you're going to overlook him. But the thing is, because hit show had the rail in the Kentucky Derby, and we talk about it every year when we do your podcast, nobody wants the rail in the Kentucky Derby. And if you are at the rail, you've got to try to gun your horse out of there to try not to be caught in the avalanche, that tidal wave of horses that's coming from the outside. Uh, usually it's 20 horses. But it was 18 in the Derby because of the scratches. Uh, so he had to be used hard. And I think he got away a little bit closer than he wanted to be um, in the early part of that race. And as we said, the Derby was very fast fractions. I didn't think that would happen this year in the Derby after what happened last year. I thought they would come to their senses and, you know, the jockeys would be, would rate their horses a little better in the Derby, but they didn't. So he was caught in early fractions and he was down at the rail with those early fractions. But whenever he made his move, he got to the outside and was making his move four wide. I don't know why he just didn't stay at the rail to save ground. So he gave up a ton of ground whenever he was making his move, a move that at the top of the lane put him fourth on the outside after traveling most of the turn four wide, only two and a half lengths off that fast pace. Then, yes, he flattened out. He had a license to be. He was used hard early. He made his move, I thought, a little bit prematurely, and he made it wide. Those are three negatives uh, that you change any of those, that's going to put him closer to the finish uh, line. And the horse is bred to go the distance. He's a candy ride out of a Tappet mare. Tappet's the key that you want to see somewhere in the breeding for the Belmont whether it be from the sire or be from the mayor, um, the dam, they've won four of the last nine Belmonts, a, a tap at sired horse. 
So he's got the breeding to be there. Don't overlook him at 10 to 1. All right. Well, there you go. The long shot hit show. And I guess the question is, if someone did send a rabbit, there seems to be a lot of horses that can be the closer. You know, it's not like, like let's just say Cox was going to do that. It doesn't mean that it's going to benefit hit show more than Forte, right? Does that make sense? It doesn't. What it does do is it hurts the chances of National Treasure. The only way National Treasure wins this race, in my opinion, is if they absolutely walk the early fractions. And that has happened in the Belmont before because everybody's worried about going the mile and a half. You don't want to make your move too soon. And everybody has it drilled in their head. Every trainer that's you know had a horse in the Belmont is going to remind his jockey not to go brain dead and realize that you're on a different track. The Belmont surface one is a tiring surface. It's, you know, it's called big Sandy for a reason. Okay. It part of it has to do with the, the sand base, you know, in the surface, but it's, it's a, a surface that kind of tires you. That's why they, you know, it's the test of champions. It's also, you know, affectionately called where champions go to die. Okay. Um, you know, cause they can't get that distance. Uh, they tire. Remember the horse. Uh, we thought we had a triple crown winner turning for home. Remember Smarty Jones, uh, the year Smarty Jones was in the Belmont, you know, made the move too soon. You, a lot of jockeys go by, um, landmarks instead of what you need to remember about the racetrack. And, you start making that move heading into the last turn. You want you want to be moving. Well, if you're making that move heading into the last turn at Belmont, you're screwed, okay? Because you've got that big sweeping turn, and you still got a very long stretch to deal with. You don't want to start that move till you're halfway through that turn, starting to come out of that turn. In uh, too many jockeys, you know, especially when you get guys that, you know, maybe race on the West Coast and only, you know, show up for the big races, you know, at Belmont, you only race there, you know, once or twice a year, you go brain dead. You know, you're just, oh, this is where I make my move and it's too soon. Um, that's a concern. But if he gets slow fractions, he could steal the race. Do I think he will? No. I think, though, if they go modest fractions, he could probably stay on the ticket, third or fourth. But I'm going. I'm not looking for him in the first or second spot. All right. Well, speaking about finishing third or fourth, who are we throwing off fourth? Let's just let's just stick with the try here. Who are we throwing off our ticket that shouldn't uh, show? Um, I've got. The way I look at this race, it's a three-horse race. I legitimately have – I could make a case for five horses to win this race if things go a certain way, but legitimately, I think it's a three-horse race. And a three-horse race is Forte, is Tappet Trace, and the third horse that we really haven't talked about yet, Angel of Empire. If you go back to the Derby, okay, Mage won the Derby. The best horse – in that derby was two fields, the horse that finished second, because two fields was involved close to those early fractions that we talked about, the suicide fractions. He was there early and he was there late, all the way right to the wire. Mage didn't get by him till deep stretch. Uh, so two fields, in my opinion, was the best horse in the Kentucky Derby. Mage won the race. 
But Mage won the race for one reason. He got the jump on Angel of Empire. Angel of Empire and Mage went for the same hole. They both were racing from behind. They both were going for the same hole at the same time. Mage got to the hole first. In that split second that Angel of Empire had to wait for Mage to get through the hole and for the hole to open again was the difference in the race because Mage got to go through um, full momentum where Angel of Empire then had to check his horse and lose momentum. In that split second and losing his momentum is the difference that cost Angel of Empire the Kentucky Derby. If Angel of Empire gets through the hole first, Kiev, I guarantee you Angel of Empire wins the Kentucky Derby, would have turned around and went and raced in the Preakness, and we might have been talking about the possibility of a Triple Crown winner. Uh, but because he didn't win the race, uh, they decided, uh, Brad Cox, okay, I've got another horse for the, the Preakness. Let's point this horse for the Belmont. He's perfectly suited for the distance. He'll be fresh. He'll be ready. He's my horse to beat. All right, Angel of Empire it is. Uh, obviously, you're still sticking with a long shot, your hit show, to at least hit the board is what I'm yeah. guessing. Um, and we're throwing off the uh, the, the Miracle one, Miracolo. <laughs> <I'm> get, <laughs> Tap It Shoes is probably off. You said fourth place, and I would guess Red Route 1 is off. But why didn't two fills show back up for this thing? That's a good question, and I don't have the answer for that. Uh, I think what they're going to do with two fills is um, maybe they didn't want to go the mile and a half, and, you know, this – Let's face it, the mile and a half is not you know, a fun distance to go. Um, you know, yes, it's the pre prestige of winning a, you know, a triple crown race. That's great for whenever you head to, you know, what I want to do in my next lifetime, head to the breeding shed and be a very popular <laughs> stallion, uh, get paid lots of money uh, to, uh, you know, to do so. Uh, you know, who wouldn't want that? You know, you get to service 200 mares a year and you get paid to do it. Sounds like a good gig if you can get it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think they're going to point to either the, the Travers or the Haskell. And I would put probably the Travers uh, being the more prestigious race. And then that also sets you up timing wise perfectly for the Breeders, you know, Cup in November. Oh, that's going to be a great one in November then, man. I'm a Really excited to see two fills race again, but well, without giving up too much valued information, what's your strategy? How are you going to build your ticket? Uh, my ticket's going to be constructed with, as I told you, the three horses that I think you've got to use. I'll have, you know, Angel Vampire probably first and second on all of my tickets. And then I'll be looking at Forte and Tappet Trice uh, being, you know, my two and three horse. And then, like I said, on that third line, I'll sprinkle in, you know, National Treasure, if he gets the slow fractions, can hold on. I'll sprinkle in the horse uh, that I talked about, Hit Show. There's one other horse that I will, we didn't mention at all, and I am going to throw on a couple tickets on the backside just um, as a price and might end up being a little bit of a wise guy horse because people like this angle. Um, one, I like the name, but they miss. They misspelled it. They typed a typo. They left a couple letters out. But Archangelo, Mark, Mark. Uh, okay, is uh, yeah. Th this is a horse that's only got four career starts. He's improved his speed figures in you know all four races, 
as he heads into this race. And the thing that makes it intriguing, uh, the trainer, uh, Jenna Ananucci, uh, last 30 days, only had 11 starts, small stable, but she's won 36% of her races. Okay. So she's, she's the winning, the barn is winning. Uh, the other part is, uh, this is a horse that his first three starts were all at Gulfstream Park, but his fourth start, guess where that was at? That was in the Peter Pan stakes yeah. at Belmont. That is the, you know, the prep race, so to speak, for the Belmont. And as we talked about this surface so much, uh, having a race over this track already, and we, you know, there's not a professional sports better that doesn't talk about, you know, what in you know, how many points you given for home field or home court. Okay. You got to give this horse something for already running over this track and that being his last race and winning. So I will sprinkle, you know, uh, a couple tickets having this one on the third and fourth slot in a, you know, trifecta and superfecta. And then of course, like I said, how can you not root for, Archangelo. Uh, Archangelo <laughs> like Delangelo. You gotta love that. Funny you said that because I wrote Mark I, I wrote Archangelo as a sleeper. And I was going to get I was gonna ask you if you didn't bring that up because I thought, you know, lightly raced it looks. You know, like you said, uh, speed figures keep going up and up. Peter Pan on the Belmont. It almost yeah. feels like it makes too much sense. And I wonder if that eight to one sticks. You know, I wonder which which one it is. I've heard a lot of sharper people on a hit show. Uh, like you and and then obviously Archangelo sitting at eight to one. So I found I've just found those very intriguing horses. But man, yeah, I just feel like it's a pretty good field here in general. It, it's a I think it's a great betting race because there there's not a lot of separation between the top three horses that I said. So you got to make a stand. You got to say, okay, who's going to be my key horse? Because and then you can still make money in this race because the betting's going to be split up. There's, you know, every, you know, the Forte camp. If it wasn't for him missing the Derby, Forte would be the odds on favorite coming into this race. Right. But because of that question mark, there's going to be a lot of sharp handicappers like myself that don't want to commit to Forte and put all their eggs in one basket on him because is he going to have enough to go the mile and a half? So what you're going to get, because it's a triple crown race, we talk about this all the time. Now, the one thing about this triple crown race is it will not have the handle that it would have had had we been going for a triple crown. Um, unfortunately, when there's no triple crown on the line for a lot of horse people that are just the casual fans that we talk about that inflates all of our betting pools that we like during the triple crown, they don't show up for the Belmont with nothing on the line. So you're not going to get as big of a handle as you would have had, but you're still going to get a big handle. And that creates a lot of inflated payouts because there's just more combinations of tickets in play because of the number of people playing the race. Right. And that's why the, you know, the favorites aren't one-to-one -one in these situations. Yeah. They, they close a little bit better just because of the total paramutual money in there. Well, that's great. And where can our listeners get your information? It is exactly how you're going to play this race. Well, I'll tell you what, the easiest thing to do is to head over to wagertalk.com. I actually have my package uh, up. You can purchase it in advance for Saturday, but it's not just the Belmont. You can get my exact betting strategies. And as you know, I send it to you all the time. You know, 
you know, you just walk to the window and read it right off your phone. You can't make any uh, mistakes on uh, how to bet the race because I'm telling you exactly how I am doing it. But you also get all of my uh, sports plays on Saturday, whatever I'm playing for, you know, baseball, basketball, hockey, you'll get all those plays. And guys, we're on a really nice run right now. Last nine days, 12 and four with all of my plays. Uh, you'll get everything on Saturday. It's a $39 package. But since I love your viewers so much, Kiev, can I give them a, I can give them a discount code. Yes. They can get 10 bucks off Please. if they want. Please do it. Just man. use, just use B E L 10. Uh, when you check out, just put that in the coupon code. B-E-L-10, uh, the n- number 1010, and you'll get uh, $10 you know, off the package. So uh, you can have a fun-filled, action-packed Saturday, as we all love. <laughs> there is a ton going on this weekend, and that is awesome. What a great deal. B-E-L-10, remember that when going to Wager Talk and getting Marco's package. Marco, thank you so much for coming on the show. Have a wonderful weekend, and best of luck in the race. All right. Thanks, Kev. Now I'm very happy to bring on a very well-known and successful sports better to the show. You've heard him and seen him many times on Sports Grid Radio and TV, Sirius XM and ESPN Radio. Very pleased to welcome Gabriel Morency for the first time to the Odds Breakers. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports Rage. Gabe, how the heck you doing today, my man? Midweek, Wednesday, hump day. Yeah, we got a big week of sports. Thanks for having me. Uh, we appreciate uh, you joining us, and of course, as, as soon as we start, my phone uh, starts going off. My phone, <laughs> my phone rarely rings. Uh, too, when it does, it's bad news. So I'm sure this isn't uh, anyone calling me with any good news. But as you stated, man, we got a big week of uh, sports coming up uh, here. I spoke to Eric Anders, who's fighting on a UFC 289 nice. on Saturday night in Vancouver. I'll be at the card. We had Dan Ige on last week, so we're fired up for the UFC 289 card. You know, it's, it's always tricky whenever you have fighters on. You always want to bet on them, right? Because you're always oh, a cool dude. He came on the show and yeah. or I know the guy. But I used to know everybody in the UFC. And I told somebody, I said, man, I'd go broke if I only bet on people I knew. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, you know, you've got you, you, to handicap the fight the way that you think. But it's going to be an interesting card. Of course, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup, big week of sports. CFL football kicks off on Thursday, too. Huge week of sports. You are absolutely right. But that's why we have you on here. Talk about some of that. But before we get into USC, UFC, I'm actually super excited for that card, by the way. NBA, my man. You cashed your heat ticket when I talked to you last week. It's wonderful that you did that. It took you to game seven. Uh, I know you had a nice number on that one. Um, so obviously we're at a new series here and the heat kind of shocked the world a little bit by winning that game in Denver. There was a lot of, uh, let's just say momentum going against them, but Hey, they dig deep and Spolstra shows who he is. What are your thoughts on the game tonight? Can the heat win back to back games here? Are you making any plays? Yeah, I'll have a lot of plays uh, tonight. We're, you know, man, it feels like it's been forever since that's the one down. That's the one thing that sucks about the NBA finals. They get dragged out, uh, so long. But you're right, man. We're in an era right now. And, you know, we always betters always remember what they saw last, right? That's why sports books make as much money as they do. People remember in the NFL, well, last week they suck. So it doesn't mean that this week they're going to suck. And we see in the playoffs, momentum isn't real from one game to another, right? Um, you know, Miami can be great and then they can be, they can be average and sort of look like, you know, you would think they would look like with the roster uh, that they would have. 
Denver are a pretty resilient basketball team that aren't going to panic because they lose one basketball game. Let's not forget they were tied at two uh, with the Phoenix Suns uh, as well. I think this is the classic. We've had the classic bounce back and zigzag in in the first two games, right? Denver won and covered the first game, and it stayed under the number. Then Miami wins game two, and it goes over uh, the number. You know, the odds makers, everybody has this. You know, if you look at the correct score after um, after four games, it's minus 115 to be tied at two. So, to me, the question really just becomes, all right, is Denver going to win tonight or do they win in game four? And same thing with Miami. I don't think Miami are going to shoot the ball as well. And we've seen in the postseason, man, look at the Miami Heat. People thought, oh, they're going to close out the um, the Celtics in game six on their home court. And if they can't do it, they're never going to be able to do it on the, uh, the road. And the opposite happened. Home court isn't the be-all, end-all that it used to be anymore. And I think the you see it in hockey. It can backfire. Teams get caught up in the pregame emotions. Teams will play smarter games on the road. I'm expecting Denver. I like Denver in the first quarter a lot tonight. Okay. I think Denver are going to have a, a strong start to this basketball game this evening. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, look for Jamal Murray to be much more aggressive. I like Murray to go over his uh, his point prop. It was at 24 and a half now. Um, I like Murray to be very aggressive and go over his point prop. I like Bam Adebayo a lot. Listen to go over tonight too. Bam Adebayo, um, it's uh, 18 and a half. He's gone. He scored. Um, he scored 26 and 21 right in this series. They don't really have anyone that's going to stop him. They don't really want to stop him. They just sort of accept he's going to get his 20, 20 20-plus points. And I don't see any reason why not to go back to BAM tonight. But I actually like the Denver Nuggets tonight. I think the Nuggets show up. I like the Nuggets in the first quarter. I like the Nuggets in the first half. And I like the Nuggets in the game. All right, well, there you go. You know, I I did take a dabble at the Nuggets just because I knew which direction this line was going to be going. Um, Grabbed them at uh, minus two. And so now we're at around three right now so it's kind of creeping up you know two or three kind of key numbers uh in the nba in, in a way and uh i was looking towards the under and about a half an hour before you came on it was at 214 and a half and i was like okay this thing's gonna get to 215 and then there must have been some sort of uh large syndicate money coming in or just a lot of sharp action hitting that under because now it's the- back down to 213 and a half uh gabe <sighs> I get it. I think they're looking at the correlation. They think Miami back home is going to be a lower-scoring game. I think Denver are going to shoot the ball well. I'm betting the over tonight. I think there's going to be points. I think the totals have been adjusted a little bit too much at these numbers from, come on, man, we had game one. Game one, we had 219 and a half. We just saw game two go over the number. I'm going to be part, and I'm glad. Let's hope that these people want to, you know, the so-called sharps, uh, that are never wrong, right? Uh, but, you know, <laughs> the people who want to bet this, God bless them. Bet it down to 212, man. <laughs> bet it down go. to 211 <laughs> so I can bet it before tip-off to go over the number. Is it a stone-cold Steve Austin lock? No, every lock has a key. And these totals are tricky, especially when you get in a championship series, games, finals, games, etc. cetera. Uh, but I, I just think that there's a little bit too much of an over-adjustment. I think that Denver are going to be better offensively. If you look at between Caldwell-Pope, and Porter Jr., I think more shots will fall for them in the same way we didn't see the shots fall for Struess uh, in game one. So I'm expecting a much better Denver uh, Nugget team. And the other thing, too, I like about the first quarter, first half deal is I really do expect Denver to be very aggressive early, try to get a lead on Miami, take the crowd out of it. But it doesn't mean 
that Miami won't get back in this basketball game. Yeah. We saw a similar situation with the Lakers and the Nuggets in which I think it was the game four. I said, take the Lakers in the first half, the first quarter, first half. Hell, they were up by 15, 13. Then they fell apart after. One last thing about tonight, too, in the props. Uh, Jimmy Butler, you know, I, I really like Jimmy Butler's under uh, player props coming into the series. Now tonight he goes back home. He lights it up on this home court. And, you know, Skip Bayless has a way of angering people and motivating people. And Jimmy Butler's uh, father isn't well. I guess everybody in the Miami media kind of knew about this, but out of, you know, out of um, privacy and respect, they didn't talk about his personal and his family situations. Mm -hmm. Skip Bayless dropped it the other day. So, you know, how does a guy like Jimmy Butler respond to something like that? I got to imagine by probably dropping like 29, 30 points tonight. I'm not saying he's going off for 40 plus, but even though I do like Denver, I, I would not, I'm not going to bet against Jimmy Butler. I'm not going under his player prop tonight yeah. like I have in the first two games. No way I'm going against Jimmy Butler tonight. 25 and a half is where his player props at for it's adjusted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it was 28 and a half in game one. So now, yeah. now you get an adjustment where it's fair. Yeah, he could drop 26. He can get 27. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a monster number. Right. He doesn't need to get 30 to win this bet. Right, it's not. And I agree. And let's go with that first quarter. I do like that. I think Denver comes out with a fire under their ass. You can get minus 140 right now. I'd rather take the minus 140 in case a push happens. Me too. Uh, I, I, I do not want to take the minus one and a half. That's more of a tricky line itself. So let's move on to that. So, well, great stuff on the NBA. And this segment was brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of different things? We can just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day. Every scoop's packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and probiotics and whole food source ingredients of high quality, giving me major benefits like gut and mood support. AG1 travel packs come free with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash the icebreakers or our podcast episode description. Let's get into some UFC, my man. Huge card. You got Amanda Nunez fighting against Irene Aldana. My man, I like the second fight more, to be honest with you. I think the second fight, or second to last fight, co-main event, to be honest with you, is probably the most exciting fight coming in with Benil Dariush versus Charles Oliveira. That's my that's my opinion on this. I love the GOAT, Amanda Nunez. A lot of people call her the GOAT. I've thought about it long and hard. I've been betting on Amanda right when she became into the UFC about 2015, 2016. Of course, the value ended up going away from her. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't see a lot of value in that fight, but I'm really interested in the next one. But why don't we start in the bottom here? Have you got a chance to look at this card and di digest some of these fights? Maybe we can start with the uh, first one on the card here. And uh, sorry for my screen. It's actually just refreshing here. I believe it's above the Curtis fight. Uh, it is uh, Mark andre Barriot versus Eric Anders. And I think you might have had Anders on the horn recently, didn't you? Yeah, we just spoke to Eric Anders, former national champion um, with the Alabama Crimson Tide in 2009 when they were, they beat the Texas Longhorns. Um didn't play in the National Football League, got into um, got into mixed martial arts, now a UFC vet. This is going to be a banging fight here. It's going to be a fun fight. They're opening up the pay-per-view portion of the card uh, with this fight for a reason. They know Anders wants to bring it, but Anders, Anders is the most technical fighter, so you know what he's going to do. I think Barrio is the hungrier fighter. 
uh, right now. Andrew's talking about retirement. He's got five fights left on his uh, his contract. And it's not like some guys talk about retirement and it's like, oh, you got to bet against this guy. He's already thinking about it. He doesn't, he doesn't like doing what he's doing. I didn't get the impression from that with Anders. He's just 36 and he goes, I got five fights left on my contract and there's a light at the end of the tunnel uh, here. But I get the feeling he's showing up to have fun and to just sort of, you know, he basically said, I'm showing up to try to get the bonus, man. <laughs> no, no, point blank. Point blank. He goes, I said, you know, and he goes, Barrio. He goes, I'm, I'm happy I'm fighting Barrio because he knows, he goes, I know this guy doesn't play around and I know he's just going to want to fight. And he goes, I like that. And he goes, I'm just trying to get a bonus. I'm trying to entertain people. And he goes, I don't, I'm not in this to try to rack up points and impress the judges and stuff. Okay, that's all cool. But when you're betting money on this stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, you betting money it. on this. So I'm just going back to say, even though I had him on the show, I think Barrio is the pick uh, in this fight. I think the Canadian is the pick. Uh, Anders has fought in way tougher guys. There's no disputing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think of where they're at in their careers. Uh, Barrios, uh, Mark Andre Barrio is the pick. I don't think it'll overwhelm Anders. The guy's a national champion. He's played in 90, now 90,000 seat stadiums of football, but it is going to be a very volatile and fun atmosphere in there when the Canadian fighters fight. UFC haven't been in Canada in a couple of years. One of the early card um, fights that catch my eye here is Blake Builder and Kyle Nelson. It keeps climbing here, uh, Kiev, but Blake Builder's going to win this fight. So, you know, you can, it's parlay material in the minus 250 range. So I like Builder a lot. Um, I Go- talked about having Dan Ige on the show as well. Dan Ige and uh, Nate Landwehr, that's going to be a great fight, bro. Mm-hmm. I think Ige is going to win a decision, but I'll tell you what, I love that fight to go the distance. I don't think either one of these guys are going to stop uh, each other. So I've got that fight to go the distance. I think that's pretty good parlay uh, material. Uh, but when it's all said and done, I'm going to go with Mark Andre Barrio in the minus one forty range. No, I and starting with Barrio, you're absolutely right. I, I believe Eric Andres is kind of coasting here, and it's real nice that he came on your show and everything. But Barrio's got the volume. You know, he's gonna he's gonna out volume. Uh, Anders, he has six significant strikes landed per minute to 3.39. You know, neither of them is really going to take each other down that much in the fight. There might be a, a little bit of uh, uh, cage, uh, you know, holding against the cage and stuff like that, roughing up. Uh, a lot of Anders has had some cardio issues too. Like, you know, exactly. He's yeah. one of these dudes going to come out swinging for the fences early. As it goes on, he's going to slow down a little bit. Barrio's a smart fighter. This is step up in class for Barrio. And mm-hmm. in, in a sense, you know, you're leading off a pay-per-view. You're fighting in Canada. It's UFC 289. There's pressure. But, you know, to me, and I've been around the sport a long time, it's one of the reasons why I like Dariush, actually. I just like where he's at in his career more than where Oliviera is at. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun fight, Anders, and uh, Barrio. But I got to give the lead to Barrio. Like I said, I like Builder. Uh, to win the fight. I like Ige, but it's a little pricey, so that's parlay material. I think that fight's going to go the distance, and if we can get into Olivier and Darius, as you stated, that's going to be an awesome fight. I'm going to be there. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, and well, I've been on Benil Darius for a long time now, and Charles, I faded and lost the last, until finally Islam, then I took a, a, a good bet on Islam here, but 
I think Bart Dariush is just kind of the up and coming guy. That's you know he's thirty four. It's not like he hasn't been there for a long time, but you know he he he's paid his dues. And that Gamrot fight, you know Gamrot's a beast, and I, I thought he handled Gamrot pretty well. Um, Oliveira has it, he can become chinny. You know Oliveira, if he's got on your back, you know forget about it. Dariush hopefully can avoid that situation, but Dariush can grapple too himself. You know, so um, it, what sucks for me is I expected Dariush, and I should have gotten this earlier. I expected him to be closer to even money here. And now this thing's already moving up to minus 140, minus 150. I think it keeps going up. I think people are on the fade train with Charles. But but Charles is getting disrespected some for this line. He was a former champion. I just don't see a way that he can beat Dariush. And I do think that Dariush gets him eventually at the end because Dariush can do both. He can be on the ground. Uh, he can also uh, do extremely well. Significant strikes. He edges him out. He edges him out in... Uh, 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 absorbed punches as well. He's better at defense. He only absorbs about 2.55 significant strikes. Charles about 3.2. A couple of those fights against Gaethje and DP, he, he was a little wobbly in those fights. He got out of it and they ended up getting the choke. You would be too. Yeah, yeah. Who, who wouldn't be? <laughs> like if you look, yeah, if you look at the damage, it's true. Listen, Olivier is that type of dude, man. It's been left for dead and pummeled in fights, and then just finds that way and somehow gets stronger as it goes. He's fought a murderer's row, a who's who. And even earlier in his career, he got thrown in there pretty young against some pretty good fighters, and he lost, and he got battle-tested. But as you stated, Darius on the eight-fight win streak right now. And I think Oliviera, he was fighting for respect in the same way Darius is. Like you said, he's 34, but he's trying to make some money now for real. Like, trying to make some real money, get a couple of big fights, and get paid. Oliviera did... Yet he wasn't so happy when he got to the top of the hill, right? Oliviera basically said, well, I'm a UFC champ, but, you know, and he broke down how much money he really made and after how much he owed to the gym and after taxes this and that. And he basically said, you know, I'm glad I got the belt, but, and there was that little bit of but. To me, listen, he's a naturally badass fighter. He can find a way to win this fight. But from a motivation and from where they're going at in their careers right now, Darius is that guy that wants what Oliveira had like two years ago. Mm -hmm. He wants to get that million dollars. He wants to at least get paid once, get the belt once, get in a fight for it, make some real money once <laughs> at least. And I think this is his opportunity. But as you stated, man, Oliveira is like a snake, bro. Like at any time he can, he can, you know, he yeah. can bite you and you're going down, man, a venom. <laughs> Absolutely. Like you said, in so many different ways, he can beat you too. That's what makes this, uh, this, this fight so fun. But, uh, Darius is a pretty disciplined fighter, and I think he's going to be aware he won't get caught in one of these weird submission traps that Oliviera will lay on him if he's on his back. Yeah, I agree, too. And I think Darius is just a bigger body, you know. Uh, they both list at 5'10", but you see Darius stand by some people. He's he's a bigger dude, in my opinion. I think he's going to be able to handle Oliveira and fight off some of those submission attempts. Well, let's move on to a little quick NFL, just, just real quick. I know it's early, man. A lot of people jump on some of these futures. That's what I do. Uh, have you looked at any teams, any inclinations, anything stick out to you? You know what? I'm more, I take it day by day. I've been killing the USFL. We drilled the XFL. I'll tell you what, take the uh, the BC Lions plus three in the CFL on Thursday night in the CFL opener, now on the CBS Sports uh, Network for everybody that wants to, uh, to check that out. As far as the National Football League uh, is concerned, I see a couple of spots, and I think some of these teams are a little bit overrated uh, right now. 
And a team that I think is a little underrated is the Green Bay Packers, actually. I'll throw one at you right there. The sky is falling on the Green Bay Packers and all this. We're talking about a football team that's racked up 13 wins multiple times. Matt LaFleur is a very good coach. Sometimes it's addition through subtra- uh, subtraction. And Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. Fine. He's also a diva that didn't want to be there and <laughs> insulted his teammates all the time and brought everybody down. Uh, Pat McAfee's my boy, but I'm sure it was a lot of fun for Green Bay Packer players to tune in every Tuesday and wonder, is he going to throw me under the bus? Uh, this week, I think the Packers can move on. I think that um, I expect, I think Love could be efficient in this offense. It's a transitional division right now. Everybody's ready to give the Detroit Lions the division, and I'm a Lion backer, but you know, these guys bet more than you and I do. So I don't even know if they're going to be able to field a team by the time the season starts. <laughs> and okay, the Vikings are the Vikings. They're good, but they're sort of right there. The Bears are still rebuilding right now. I'm not sure the sky has fallen as much on the Green Bay Packers as people think they are uh, with that seven and a half out there. It's not. And, we, and you know what? Jordan Love, you got a contract now. He should be okay. got a good defense, too, bro. They got, they got a, good, a good very good defense, you know, and they have a very good coach. I, I, you know, I, one of the reasons why they didn't advance further in the playoffs? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers didn't play well in the playoffs in big games. No. Shh. Don't tell the mainstream media as a bear as a Bears fan. That's what I've been screaming for years. But I I have a lot of friends that are Packers fans that you know they come at me. But I'm like, this is the facts, my friend. It's very similar to some of these big stars, wink, wink, that you see in the NBA that don't do well in the clutch. Well, Aaron Rodgers has not been. He has the same amount of NFC Championship wins as. Rex Grossman, but I will say you're right. The Bears are a little bit too high. I say wait before, right before the first preseason game when you start to see it is when you take that Bears under. You might be able to find an eight on that one. Uh, you're going to give out the Jaguars to win the AFC Championship, and it's at sixteen. Ooh. It's at sixteen to one, and here's why: if there's any team set up schedule wise, Gabe. Uh, better than Jacksonville, I think it's it's extremely hard to find because they have a division where you have two terrible teams and a Titans team that kind of looks lost, that pissed off their quarterback. You know, I don't expect uh, their new guy coming in uh, from Kentucky and lighting it up this year by any means. The Titans have been just an absolute mess right now, just from their some of their GM moves over the past few years. I think they're dead men walking. So that's three teams, I think, that are very beatable in their division. So they have a very easy schedule and easy way just to get that number one position. Can they beat Kansas City at home? I don't know. I'm more betting on the fact that they're going to win the bye and win a home field advantage because Kansas City uh, has a much tougher schedule than they do. If you look at Buffalo, their division certainly got a lot harder. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. He, he still will do good in the regular season. You know that. Uh, Miami's got some talent as well. Um, and if, if he stays healthy. Right. If you know, right. if 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 he stays healthy, as far as the Jets are concerned, at nine and a half, they got to get to ten. I'll tell you, the Buffalo Bills. I think this is actually a year where the Bills will be more dangerous, where there's less pressure on them, where people are not talking about them as much. Everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers, this and that. Listen, if you want the real dangerous team, it's not the Jets in that division; it's the Miami Dolphins, right? The Dolphins are loaded in every position. On you know, on that roster, can Tua stay healthy? Uh, that's a key. But I just want to say, the Bills, you know, they might not win the Super Bowl, but the Bills will win eleven or more football games. They will go over their ten and a half. I want to throw that in there. That's very possible. But I will tell you this: Tua has had to sit out 
multiple games at the end from that third concussion or whatever he had. This kid is one concussion away from possible retirement. So that their backup, Skylar Thompson, is the only position they're not loaded at. So I'm really concerned for that for Miami. I mean, yes, keep Tua upright as well. Much we know as we Tua can. can play. Yeah, You're he, right. He's yeah, gonna. Yeah. He's, if he doesn't stay healthy this year. They're not going to have a choice but to move on. I've always liked to. Uh, I think he's yeah. a he's he's a top, he could be a top tier quarterback in the right system. And he, you know, we see the kid's a winner. He's one of these deals, not a stat guy, but mm-hmm. he's he wins football games. But it's going to be the same question about Bryce Young coming into the National Football League. And I, I have my reservations about Bryce Young whether Bryce Young's going to be able to stay healthy. And it's not that he's soft or they're soft, but if your frame is what it is, man. If, you know, a 340-pound defensive lineman landed on me right now and I'm bigger than they are, I got a problem. I'm going down. So they could go down as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, great stuff and great takes, man. And uh, thank you so much for your input on the NFL. I know you're a day-to-day guy, but it's hard to ignore such a big media thing when uh, just so much information is always coming across. But, hey, where could our listeners get your great My information? college football brain's already spinning, too, actually. That's right. Um, LSU, nice little sleeper in the SEC. LSU are like plus 500. They're going to make it to the championship game again. Like them and um, them and um, Georgia are clearly the best teams. Follow me on Twitter at SportsRage. Uh, get me over at uh, SiriusXM channel 159. We're all over the place. But uh, we post all of our links on Twitter at SportsRage. Make sure you guys check out Gabe Orenstein. Thanks a lot for coming on today, Gabe. Hey, good stuff. I enjoyed it. Thanks, man. All right, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that. Obviously, when this podcast airs, the NBA game will be over, but plenty of UFC this weekend, and I'm actually going to get into more UFC, starting with the main event, Amanda Nunez versus Irene Aldana. Look, you know, I mean, Aldana, not really a true contender here, but I I mean, is anybody a true contender for Amanda Nunez? Uh, You know, she slipped up recently, as we all saw. Um, fought extremely hard uh, to get her belt back from Juliana Pena. And uh, I think that she could have finished Pena or she claims she didn't want to, but I, I don't know. It was it, Pena was dead nuts. And then she just released a choke at the end of that fight. But uh, I think Pena is still the best uh, Bam Tam weight contender in this division. And that's just how good Amanda Nunez is. But don't get me wrong. Nunez is at the twilight of her career. You know, it's, I just can't expect her to go keep going here. 35 years old. She has a family. I heard another kid's coming here soon. It's just that she's so ferocious in the cage. You know, um, her stats of significant strikes don't even really make up for it because she spends plenty of time on the ground. You know, they don't count a lot of significant strikes, if any, actually, when you're in the ground and pound situation, you know, so it's just a situation where, I don't see Aldana doing much. And Aldana's had her opportunities, you know, against fighters like Holly Holm. You know, what happened in that fight against Holly Holm uh, back in 2020? Uh, then she fights about a year later, Yana Santos, and then takes another year off and fights Macy Chiasin. And she barely gets by Macy Chiasin. Uh, took all the way to the end of that fight. She got her with a good kick. I think she was kind of losing that fight, actually. So I'm just not seeing anything, but here's the good news. I mean, Nunez is not your normal minus 1,000, minus 800. She's minus 330. 
you know and i'm not even going to say that in a five-round fight that this is going to go to the distance i usually love to fight love to bet the women going the distance but nunez has taken out plenty of people 13 ko's four submissions five decisions right so I, I'm just going to say that Nunez is probably a good parlay leg and an exciting one. I just don't see her losing this fight. Um, if you want to lay the 330, God bless you. I try not to lay minus over minus 220. I, I guess I'll push it sometimes if it's just a sure thing. But um, Nunez at minus 320 is a is a good parlay leg. And you know, moving on to the Dariush, um, talking a little bit more about this fight. Like I said earlier with Gabe, uh, Charles has had his. Uh, situations where he has certainly uh, been susceptible to being knocked out. You know, it's happened to Charles multiple times. And this is why he has four losses by KO, four submissions, and one decision. Now, this fight's only three rounds. So, you know, you might say maybe this does go to decision, but I would definitely punk the brakes on this because even in Charles's five-round fights, this has not gotten past the third round, you know? And that's interesting. That's that's very important. You know, I think that Dariush has gone to decision against guys like Ferguson and Gamrot, uh, but he's beaten them up pretty good. And now add another two rounds. Really hard for me to see uh, one of these guys getting past a choke or or a knockout. Now Dariush minus one forty in some of these books. I really thought about. Uh, taking them inside the distance, but I'm fine with minus 140, you know? Why bother getting cute when you can still take a fighter uh, with just laying kind of minimal juice, 140 bucks to win 100, you know, whatever your unit size is? I think that is definitely worth it here in this situation here. So we're going with Dariush uh, in this fight. Scrolling down a little bit, uh, Mike Mallett versus Adam Fugit. I tried to find a play in this, but I think the line's perfect in this situation mallet should win he probably wins two out of three fights maybe something happens the other fight but he's minus 195 against fugit and i'm not even sure if i want to use him as a parlay because uh fugit has a bigger reach 77 inches to 73 inches uh fugit throws more significant strikes landed per minute 5.4 to 4.5 and fugit has more takedowns 4.76 to 1.91 who knows what's going to happen when this goes to the judges as you saw that debacle last week with Kai Kara France beating the hell out of his opponent and losing because of a little bit of control Twitter still raving about that so not really interested in uh in in betting this fight but what I will say is that this fight is not supposed to go to decision anyway being that the under two and a half rounds is minus 255 but still i think that this is a properly priced fight i don't like using parlays for properly priced fights because this percentage says one out of three times it's minus 200 you're going to lose well why would i sacrifice that if i'm not getting enough bang for my buck so always keep that in mind when you're playing some money line parlays let's move on to the next fight and Dan Ige is fighting Nate Landwehr. And I know we just had Gabe on and talked a little bit about this, but I do disagree that this will go to decision. I mean, Nate Landwehr is a monster out there. He throws a ton of strikes, but he is sloppy. 6.47 significant strikes to 3.8. Dan Ige is more calculated, but look at the strength of schedule here. 
I mean, that's all you really know need to know um, about this fight. Nate Landwehr beat Austin Lingo. David Onama, who was a pretty good win, but he got a majority decision. And Lud- Ludovic Klein, because he got him in an anaconda choke. And Klein is kind of a little bit of a hothead himself. Did well in the Octagon, MMA, a uh, couple other federations. He just had a draw with Jai Herbert. You know, nothing significant really beating him. But Ige has fought some of the best fighters, in my opinion, in the UFC with the Korean Zombie, Kelvin Katar, Josh Emmett, uh, Movisar Ivalov. He just has a lot bigger opponents. He's got a win versus Edson Barbosa. Some pretty big names there. So you're going to definitely favor 50K Dan Ige in this situation. Another reason I don't like it to go to decision is that Nate Landwehr absorbs 5.51 significant strikes, only 56% defense. Uh, Ige absorbs about 3.58 significant strikes at 57% defense. He gets out of the way. You know, he knows how to avoid a lot of those situations. So when it comes to that, I'm not so sure that there's going to be a big grappling war here. Uh, 1.25 to 1.36 takedown average. That's pretty even. EA takedown accuracy is only 26%. Landwehr's is at 62%. So maybe Landwehr does get him into the ground a little bit here. Uh, Probably uh, fight doesn't go to decision prop. Might be a decent one here. You can get under two and a half rounds at minus 120. You'd probably be around the minus 130 range, or sorry, minus 150 range uh, to not go to decision when some of those numbers pop up. Let's move on to the Mark Burial fight, Mark Andre Burial versus Eric Anders. And like I said, this is a volume fight. I do see this fight going to decision. So I'm really considering a burial by decision at plus 175. But right now, I'm just extremely comfortable with burial just winning this fight at minus 124. Anders is a kind of guy that has dignity. I don't think he's going to let himself get taken out this match. I think he's going to hang in. But just as Gabe said, the gas tank is just not there for Anders, and I just think that Burial is going to outvolume him. So uh, you can get nice plus one seventy five Burial by decision, or minus one twenty four Burial wins the fight. I'm probably going to do a little bit of both. There's about a buck difference between it. Um, th- this fight should be going to decision just based upon the numbers that are put out there by the sports books. Let's just see. Uh, Burial is. Over 2.5 minus 165. So only two and a half more minutes to get the decision. So this is a minus, uh, yeah, you're laying juice to get the decision as it is. Kind of tells you a little bit in the numbers here what should happen. So I'm kind of between that. I'll go with Burial for sure at minus 124. And I'll go with uh, Benil Dariush for this podcast at minus 140. Find a dance partner for Nunez. Uh, I'm considering Ige inside the distance, but I might just bet the... Uh, Fight doesn't go to decision myself. So looking at those options right there. And the undercard, nothing to really write home about. I mean, Chris Curtis is fighting uh, Nazardine Imavov. And here's another parlay piece because Imavov is 6'3 and Curtis is 5'10. Well, the thing about Curtis is he doesn't have nearly the reach that he needs 
to fight some of these guys in this 185-pound weight class. He should go back down uh, to 170, in my opinion. If Imavov watches the Jack Hermanson fight against Curtis, where he would just stick him, use his sides, and just keep moving, Curtis is just not going to get to him. You know, that's the way to fight Curtis. You know, you don't want to engage and get knocked out. You want to stick and move and just wear him down like that, right? I mean, you're looking at 6'3 compared to 5'10. A lot longer legs with Imavov. Uh, Curtis from United States, Imavov from Russia. So, you know, people assume that all of a sudden it's just going to be a, a grappling match. No, it's not. Imavov is not going to wrestle him. Um, Imavov can wrestle, but he's just more of a striker in himself. Um Imavov's takedown accuracy is only 22%. Curtis's takedown defense is 100%. So he just watch the Hermanson and he should win this fight. Minus 150 is a pretty good bargain to lay. Maybe you use this with Nunez um, as your dance partner right there. I kind of like that pairing in itself. Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions for the Icebreakers, please feel free to email us at info at theozbreakers.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. We need five-star reviews to move up in the Apple and the Google algorithms. Enjoy all the games this weekend. Enjoy the NBA. Enjoy the NHL. Enjoy Major League Baseball. Enjoy all the fights and go get some winners.